Sacred Pause with Jessica Winderl. Hey everyone, Jessica here with just a quick note before we get to this week's episode. And I apologize if my voice sounds a little raspy. I am getting over bronchitis. So bronchitis and and being pregnant is uh, definitely not a fun combination, but I am on the mend. And uh, the big news though is just in a few days, Saturday, February 29th, we have the Atman Yoga Festival. And this is our first time ever offering any kind of an event like this. We're doing a pop-up format one day only only at the absolutely stunning location of the Doga, the Design and Architecture Museum in Oslo. And first class is at eight, last class ends at seven. So it's just back to back to back classes with slow flow and power vinyasa and mandala flow and ladder flows and core classes. Uh, We have breath work, we have chanting, we have arm balances. It's going to be awesome. And we have a really cool like vendor area with some neat stuff happening. Uh, Great sponsors. Oh yes. And, uh, Empress tonics. So come on and join us for yoga community and, uh, just a great time. Grab your ticket on Eventbrite. And okay, that's it. We'll keep it short. That's it. That's all. Welcome back to the One Sacred Pause podcast. I'm your host, Jessica, and this week I am very excited because the guest that I am bringing on is not just a really inspiring yogi, but is also uh, related to me. So I'm going to welcome my aunt, Anne Hendricks. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much, Jessica. This is really exciting. I'm just so honored to be on your show and and, uh, humbled that you would even ask me. That's just fantastic. Anyway, this will be wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's so interesting. I would think, or I think everybody in our family kind of talks a little bit about how similar you and I are in a lot of ways. Um, You know, we're, we're kind of on the spiritual path and we're doing a lot of yoga and a lot of trainings and a lot of travel. And then of course we both love to ski. You're, you're connecting with me from a steamboat Springs, Colorado before you go hit the slopes. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, which is amazing. And so for me, it's just, it's incredibly inspiring because I know you've been doing yoga for a really long time and you have studied with a lot of, or practiced with a lot of influential yoga teachers throughout the years. And, but most of all, I think what's super inspiring is just the fact that yoga is really a practice that can stay with us throughout our entire life. And you're really living that. I mean, you just came back from Costa Rica where you were doing a, a yoga <laughs> retreat and an African dance retreat, and, and that's amazing. And so for this podcast episode, I think that's what the takeaway is. You know, so many people are coming into yoga really young these days, which is amazing. You know, um, I have people come into my trainings who are 20, 21, 22. That's not the average, but there are um, people coming in that young. And so I just kind of wanted to talk with you on sort of the other spectrum, like when you've been doing yoga for decades and decades and decades, how, how everything kind of changes and evolves for, for us when we have this like foundation of yoga. So will you tell us a little bit about how you got started? Oh, goodness. Um, I, I guess I was one of these very kind of athletic kids that I loved to 
<clears throat> hang by my knees and stand on my head and do backbends and all of that automatically, you know, all the physical part of what people connect with yoga. Uh, and then when I was just had just given birth to my first child, I had some friends and we were in the Philippine Islands at the time and they were taking a yoga class and it was so intriguing and I couldn't go because I just had this new baby that I just couldn't leave for two seconds, you know, and it was kind of there in my head. And so a couple, oh, maybe two years later at the most, um, I had the uh, opportunity to watch Lillian, Lilius Folan on TV. She did a series on TV teaching yoga, and she wrote a book. And before that, you know, this was the 70s, and it was, there weren't not a lot of yoga teachers around, shall we say. It just, it was considered a very weird thing. And Because what year was, was this, again? Uh, this was, would have been, let's, um, let's see, probably 73, mm-hmm. 74, because mm-hmm. Katrina was born in 73. So it had been 73 and then into 74. And I had no idea who even taught yoga. And or I just was sort of intrigued with the whole thing. And watching this class with Lilius, who is just one of the most important people who kind of spread the word, shall we say, <clears throat> with her TV show. And so I loved it so much. And so I would just do that. And even when Katrina was, my daughter was little, I, she would do it with us. And mm. it was so much fun. And then I got my husband doing it briefly. Uh, he's not really into it now, but but I think he's benefited from, <laughs> you know, he still does some stretches and things. But, and then I went to some women's retreats in the early 80s in Santa Barbara. And I was exposed to this wonderful dance instructor who later became one of the very um, big names in yoga. She had she was just starting yoga, but she she didn't know she was doing yoga poses, but she kind of was. And then she was trained with Iyengar and went on to be be pretty pretty um, famous. In fact, she still is. In fact, I still want to take some training with her. But anyway, it got me going. And, and then who was what I, was her name? Desiree Desiree Ramba. Maybe oh, heard of her. yeah, yeah. She was part of Anisara, and then she's now yes. part of the new Bowspring system. Yes, mm-hmm. and she she has she was interesting with her because she she was always intrigued that I was older than she was. I don't know by how much fifteen years or something. I don't. I'm not really sure, but um, and she was always commenting on it that that I was so interested in all of this, and I was you know, physically fit and all, all. and now she, she's giving these wonderful trainings for, uh, she calls it wisdom warriors, and it's for seniors, for people over 50. So that's her, has become her emphasis lately, which is kind of interesting, because that's a whole new thing, because when you hear about yoga, it, you, you know, you, all the young people, think it's all, or, or many of them go into it because it's physical, they want to lose weight, they want to get into shape, mm-hmm. all of that. And uh, some of us who have been in, in it longer kind of were drawn to it more from the spiritual aspect, actually, in the, in the early years. It's just kind of interesting how it's, how it's changed and evolved and all this. Right. It's well, wonderful. I love that you say that because I absolutely have have observed that also just even in the short time 
you know, that I've been a teacher comparatively. And mm-hmm. I would say even just in the last five years, even four years, three years, the number of people coming into yoga, just the sheer number of people coming to yoga for the first time is exploding. And, and you're right, people are coming in usually for the physical benefits. But then hopefully, you know, they have a good teacher and they get exposed to actually like the philosophy and the, the, the other more subtle practices beyond the asana. And then it really becomes a practice for your life. And even into, yes, as you start aging and you're moving into the vata time of life, and perhaps your, your physical mobility is a little bit more limited in some ways, um, you still can do yoga. And for me, that's like the main message is that you don't have to be able to do a handstand or a lotus and you can still be a yogi. Oh, absolutely. And and the whole idea is you start where you are. You don't have a goal of, of doing this perfect yoga asanas. Uh, you know, that not how many people can do the perfect asanas, you know, right. realistically, mm-hmm. you know. And, and as you say, as you age, you have accidents and things happen and your body gets ages and everybody is totally different. And I think even Iyengar wanted, he thought that you should teach people where they are, you know, you don't, you shouldn't go into a class and think, okay, and this is what I'm going to do with these people, you know, sight unseen. You go in and you see where they are and what they need. And you, you try to individualize it as much as possible because, mm-hmm. you know, that's how it started. Was right. One on one, you know, and, uh, but the one, you know, the wonderful thing about all this now is that that it is spreading it is more acceptable so now the average whatever person will actually go into a class whereas before it was kind of there was kind of a stigma mm-hmm. that you know you were kind of strained the hippie granolas yeah or you were into the hindu religion heavily you know and and it's also you know anyway it, it's wonderful and the other thing is that Women were not really involved that much in yoga until, say, the twentieth century. Right. Know? So that, for me, you know, that was the wonderful part because all the women in the United States, when they brought it to the U.S., is when it really started to spread. Mm-hmm. Because before it was just a very few men that were just happened to be, you know, in a, in a family that they could do it, and a lot of those people were actually connect, they were all connected, kind of one way or the other. But when they brought it to the U.S., you know, all the women started getting into it, So, it was, as well as the men. So it was really exciting. Yeah. Well, and I don't want to go off onto this tangent too much because I want to hear more about your experience. But have you been following at all? My guess is maybe not. But have you been following at all any of the controversy recently around um, the cultural appropriation of yoga? I have not. Yeah, it's, about it. it's a really hot topic right now in the yoga community huh. um, globally. And a lot of people, there's podcasts about it, there's news articles about it, there's blogs about it. And mm. a lot of people um, are saying that actually, if Westerners and white people are practicing and teaching yoga, it's um, it's an act of violence and aggression against. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty, I mean, it's a heat, like anything, you know, controversial. There's always people who get really up in arms on both sides. And so now a lot of the white yoga teachers are trying really hard to be like, oh, okay, oh, you can't, you can't say certain things in your, cl-. like some of the like mm. um, 
teachers are even saying like you, you shouldn't say namaste in your classes and you shouldn't be chanting and you shouldn't do X, Y, and Z. It's, it's disrespectful to the origins mm-hmm. of yoga. And the thing mm-hmm. that I find really interesting, and it's usually um, somebody of Indian descent who's saying this, and a lot of them actually live mm-hmm. in America and were trained by American Western yoga teachers. Um, but historically speaking, that wasn't exactly, that's not quite right. Like the Westerners didn't really go to India and steal the practices. They, the, the gurus in India were sending their students to the U.S. So when you are kind of like in, in the 70s and the 80s, you're, you've been living in California and the Bay Area. What, when you moved back from the Philippines, how did you kind of get plugged into that scene or who were your teachers and what was it like? Um, well, I was in Oregon, actually, when I came back from the Philippines. I was living in Portland, Oregon. And um, how did I first? Oh, goodness. Um, no, I guess I didn't really get in. No, I didn't get into it till I was in California as far as. But when I was in Oregon is when I was listening to all the um, Lilius Fogan, Folan uh, uh, series. And it was. How was it? I found it peaceful, and I didn't. I didn't find it ethnic, particularly, other than it was from India. Mm-hmm. And she, of course, she's a white woman, and she was the one that kind of made it kind of famous. I think. I think I, I'm not the only one who got into it <laughs> via her TV series. I mean, that sounds kind of silly today, probably, but um, there were no classes. So actually, I was in, so when I got to California, I heard about this wonderful, wonderful, I was taking classes by that time in California. There were, you know, there was a teacher in my area, and it was really exciting. I was really quite heavily into it. And then I saw this um, integrative yoga therapy uh, intensive that I could go to, and it happened to be in Oregon at a yoga retreat center. And so I was so intrigued that I went. And I mean, after that, it was just one thing after another. I got involved in his program, which was, um, I think it was a two-year program at that point. And then afterwards, I I, um, actually got a master's degree using his uh, program, which was integrative yoga therapy. And then he connected with Eleanor Criswell, who was the head of the psychology department in Sonoma, at Sonoma State in California. And so they actually figured out, you know, between the two of them, the, how you could actually get a master's in yoga therapy. So it was pretty interesting. And then um, I kind of at the same time crossing over, because I didn't, I was actually doing two programs at once. I got involved in a Phoenix Rising yoga mm-hmm. therapy program. Yeah. And so that was that was also a long, I don't know, two-year program where we would meet. We'd do an intensive for a week, and then we'd go off and we'd teach or do some uh, studying, et cetera. And then we'd come back together for another intensive. And anyway, it was a long program. It was really exciting. And at the time I met, um, first time I went to Oregon, I met a really uh, wonderful woman that is still my friend who <laughs> is a yoga teacher from Dallas. So we just kind of kept in touch because we didn't have a lot of other friends who were thinking, you know, along the same terms. And uh, we're still friends. We, we were in Costa Rica together. but um, Oh, that's amazing. And, 
Yeah. Yoga friends are the best. Absolutely. Because it gets me on track. Mm -hmm. And um, then I did a program with White Lotus, uh, which was a a program right outside of Santa Barbara. There's a yoga retreat. And Gonga White and Tracy Rich were the partners leading that. And that was more like uh, flow yoga. So that was a little bit, you know, in contrast to my yoga therapy, I was getting some flow yoga. And of course, in in both integrative yoga therapy, uh, well, particularly in that one, maybe a little bit in Phoenix Rising, um, they, they they had, you know, they were doing the whole spectrum of the, the um, um, what do you call it? The, I can't even think. I'm going blank. I'm just talking. But anyway, uh, it, it was all just kind of one thing after another. And then uh, Yoga Journal started having a yoga journal conference once a year. And it happened to be in San Francisco. So by that time, it was quite easy for me to get to. And they would bring in people like Donna Fari and Patricia Walden and mm-hmm. all these big names. And it was just so amazing. And and then Dean Ornish was in the Bay Area. And he also started his, he's not a yoga teacher per se, but he's he very much was into yoga. He was a, I don't know if you're familiar with him. I'm not, um, actually. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. he, he has an interesting book you might want to read. He's read he's written several books, but he was this hot shot, um, hot heart transplant person in Texas. He was one of the first people in the whole program doing the whole heart transplants. And it was a big deal in those days. It was, this is, I think this must've been about the eighties. I'm not really exactly sure, but the 80 ish. And, uh, so he started realizing be, just because I don't know how he even got into yoga, but he started taking taking yoga classes, and then he it evolved to the point where he realized that wait a minute, maybe you don't need these heart transplants because all these fabulous. I mean, he was a big name and very powerful name. You have to realize and and very unusual for a, a, someone in that position to suddenly say, oh my goodness, I've done this fabulous surgery, but here they are coming back again having problems in two years, five years, seven years, whatever. And so he said, wait a minute, there must be a different way. This heart transplant is great. It works for a while and it's magic and all of this. And so then he started doing his own research. So he started a whole program suggesting that instead of going the heart transplant way, that you do this whole program, which was basically yoga, and and so he started talking about it. And the more he did it, you know, he had more statistics that he could publish, which he did. And so he became a very big name saying, wait a minute, you know, your lifestyle needs to be changed. That's mm. all. You don't need a heart transplant. You need a lifestyle change. And it was the whole thing with the eating and the yoga and the, um, your social life, you know, having people that you love and in your life and friends and all of that. And so um, that that kind of got a lot of people's attention drawn to yoga. And and then there was Ram Dass. Mm. He, and so I did not get to, to go to anything with Ram Dass. I did go to several things that Dean, Dean Arnish presented. And in those days, when you went to one of these conferences, 
you could actually easily talk. I mean, you were stupid if you didn't. You could actually go up and speak to these people and ask them questions, which I did. Wow. And it was it was just, it was amazing. It's very different from today. And Ram Das was supposed to be at one of my conferences that I went to in New York with, with my friend again. And um, unfortunately, that was when he had his first stroke. So oh. he missed the conference. So I, I never did connect with Ram Das. But anyway, I know. that's kind of how, but that's kind of, it was just so different because today, if you go to a conference, you're going to have, you know, five zillion people there. You're, you know, you'd be very, it'd be very unusual if you had a chance to speak to the big name. You know, it's just so different. It's really different. And the whole vibe is, is different. You know, I teach at a lot of mm-hmm. the festivals and, and some conferences and it's so fun and it's so great. And I would say the main, the two main benefits of these gatherings are, first of all, the sense of community, uh, Mm -hmm. which I think is just amazing. And then you do get the opportunity to practice with some of these teachers that you might not normally be able to, but you're right. Right. They're they're usually pretty, um, uh, what's the word, like uh, protected, (laughs) like they have their assistants there and, you know, they come in, they teach, they leave. And it's like... um, yeah, it's funny because I've, I've noticed, too, with some of the, the more modern big name teachers, you know, who maybe that I've studied with or mm-hmm. um, when you send an email, like if you're interested in the training and you try to get information and and their assistant mm-hmm. writes back, you know, and you can't oh. even ask the questions of the teacher directly. And to me, that's a little bit I get it. You get super busy and there's a ton of emails. And and in my business, yeah. that is too my biggest nemesis is is that the volume of emails that I get. But I, I respond personally to all my emails. And of course, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite comparing myself to some of these big name teachers, but you can see that the culture of celebrity that has yes. really built up around some of these teachers. And it's on one hand, it's fine because it's, it's, it's creating buzz around yoga. And so people are excited to come to it. But on the other hand, it's like, well, wait a minute what's the true spirit of the, of the, of the teacher student relationship. And if it's now just this big commercial production where it's, it's a performance when these teachers are teaching at these big conferences and festivals. And so it's kind of like, okay, well that was cool. So I'm jealous that you had the opportunity to like talk with teachers and it just, it does not, it seems like that ship has sailed in terms of where we are now in the yoga yoga industry landscape. Oh yes. Oh yes. It's such a shame, you know. It's I I hate I mean the good thing is that everybody can, it, yoga is open to everybody. That's yes. the good news. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I guess I guess I believe as as you were saying earlier that hopefully you know that people in, slowly will will get into it a little more deeply the more they do it more they practice it and uh, you know reminds me to practice when i'm saying this <laughs> you know oh dear <laughs> i get a little lazy but iyengar himself uh, it was said by his his daughter that he practiced every single day whether he was sick whether he was well whether he uh, didn't feel like it, whether he was young, whether he was old, when, you know, the years he was poor, the years he was wealthy, it didn't matter. That didn't change. The, the one thing in his life that absolutely never changed every single day, he would do his yoga. He'd do his practice. And I, I think that's what kept him grounded because 
he was such a big name, and yet he was an interesting man. He was kind of remote from, I think, from most of us, you know. But he was he the influence he had was so phenomenal. I mean, mm. he could have he could have become a very obnoxious person, I think, and he did not. And same with some of the other people, like Jessica um, Char. I guess was my kind of my favorite. Although I mm-hmm. Iyengar really brought it to this country, so I'm really involved with him. You know, as far as my memories, but. Um, Jessica Char was just quieter. He was the son, I, I'm sure you know, of Krishnamacharya. And mm-hmm. Krishnamacharya uh, was the one that taught Iyengar. And he taught, of course, his son, Jessica Char, and Patabi Joyce. Mm-hmm. He was yeah. their, their their main teacher. And, uh, and Indira I just Debbie. think it's... Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. She was in California. Did you ever cross paths with her? I did not. And mm. I'm too... I, I wish I had. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's funny you get you get so mixed up in your own life, so you know that you're kind of just kind of go one step at a time, and and which the opportunity in front of your face is the one you take, and you know. Yeah. Well, and especially uh, in California. I mean, you had. Yeah. I mean, it's still the mecca of yoga in the U.S. Um, you know, I would say there's there's mm-hmm. Kripalu in Massachusetts, which is also pretty well right. established. But I mean, if you're gonna oh, yes. study yoga. You go to California. <laughs> mm, that's interesting. That I was not aware of. I, just, I mean, just, that's my just just my know. opinion. I mean, there's there's cool stuff uh-huh. in Sedona. There's cool. I mean, you you find little pockets. Yes. yes. But I mean, yes. I just I think because in the West, California is in the '60s and '70s where yoga really took root. Um, yes. That it's just that's where the the strong tradition is, and and Californians are of yes. course known for being a little bit more laid back, a little bit more open minded. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's just kind of part of the culture there. Yes, it has become so. Mm-hmm. But this that was a big change. It was not. Yeah, it was not in the beginning. It was. It it sort of slowly happened. You know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I remember you made a comment to me one time. We were talking about Iyengar, and you said, "Well, mm-hmm. actually, I I I wouldn't say that I loved studying with Iyengar directly the most." You said to me that you actually preferred studying with his students because they were a little kinder mm-hmm. and a little bit more gentle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what was um, what was your experience when you would take yeah. class with Iyengar? Um. Well, he was very remote. Um, the the uh, I did a four day intensive with him in uh, Colorado at a yoga journal conference once, and my my only personal experience with him, I mean, as far as a close experience was, there were like eight hundred people in the class at that time. So <laughs> he kind of would. There was one kind of a ceremony where he would kind of touch everybody's head just to make contact but basically he was up on a stage with his 10 best uh yoga teachers from the united states well i guess i guess they were all from the u.s that's interesting as i say that i kind of had not thought of that um so he would have them demonstrate and I think I was kind, I had, and you're right, I had not wanted to go to him because of other people's comments and experiences. He was very tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I just heard uh, a tape that Car- Patricia Walden was being, she, Patricia Walden and 
Manus Manos were his, and clearly at this conference it, it showed, were his yeah. two number one and, you know, number one male and one, number, number one female <clears throat> instructors. And he made it very clear. But even with Patricia at that time, she was doing some posture. I'm not quite sure what it was. And he gave her a huge slap on the rear. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was just like, oh my God, that's why I haven't gone to him directly. That's why I go to all his, you know, all the stories are true. And what he was doing, it was just his method. And he was not being fresh, as, as I guess an old fashioned word. And he was not being mean. It was his way of reminding her that that particular spot, and he explained it, um, in her body was one that was, she had to to, re, to kind of uh, open up because she had had a tubal ligation as a, uh, a pregnancy in the tubes as she was, when she was young. Anyway, because of that, she had this physical kind of, I don't want to say abnormality, but there was something physically there that wasn't totally um, as it should be or something. So he had to remind her that that muscle had to be activated and she had to be reminded to be to activate that. And that's after she was the number one female yoga person in the world. And we were going, oh my gosh, you know, but um, that was just his method. And she tells of a story where the first time she went to him, I think, he wasn't even speaking to her. He didn't say a thing to her. He was very quiet and very, uh, I can't, he seemed like he was very austere. And he took, she was doing some sort of a, I guess she was doing shoulder stand. Anyway, he took his foot and he cracked it into her back. And she, she just thought, okay, I can do this. I can do this. I can stay still. I'm not going to move. And then he did it a couple of more times. And then she didn't move. And I think he made some comment. And then he walked away. And then apparently he didn't talk to her for another, I, I don't know how long it was. It was, it was, you know, like days after that, where he even made a comment to her. But that was just his method. He, he came from a different culture, and, and that was his method. And, you know, it worked, I guess. It wasn't something I wanted to, to endure, but, but it, it did work, and it was kind of, just kind of interesting. Yeah, well— you know, that's, I mean, I understand. I read something that he, his methodology, you know, when he would hit his students and abuse them and yell at them was mm -hmm. he, like you said, in his mind, it wasn't being abusive. And he, he mm -hmm. has a quote, I think, where it's something like, um, he was disciplining his students like a parent would a child. Yes. However, um, now like 2020, 2019, 2020, there have been so many of his older students coming out and, and talking about the actual abuses they were suffering from him um, behind yes. doors. And it's it's been the other controversy in the yoga community in the last, you know, recent history, in addition to yes. cultural appropriation, is is the abuses from these these major, massive influential gurus like Iyengar, yes. and then of course Patabi Joyce with all of his sexual yes. abuse that has come out. And yes, the thing that I find really fascinating slash disturbing is that so many students can wave off the methodology. Like that's the really common saying you hear, oh, I can separate the man from the practice. 
Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Can can we in a spiritual tradition can we really separate our teacher from how their methods are if they're ab- like literally abusing students? Um now no. Now there is no way because we're we're more open. Um I think you have to go back even with child parenting. It was the thing to do in the the generation before me, say my grandparents in my parents generation for parents to take a strap and whip their children if they did something wrong, period. And it was accepted. Um, Of course, it was bad and wrong. But at the time, it was an accepted thing. They didn't know any. That's just what they knew. You know, the way women were treated, the way children were treated, you know. Um, Of course, now, you know, women have more power. So, i.e., and children have more power because women have given that power to the children so and it's good for everybody because males were abused too yes that's true and, mm-hmm. but i i think you have to just look at it as as a historical thing that happened it's past it's over um right I mean, but it's not understand. it's still going on today with um you know manuso oh. he's he's had a lot of allegations against him and a lot of other modern teachers who are, who are currently teaching, currently practicing in 2020. Um, there's, there's this kind of, it's, I think it was stimulated a bit from the Me Too movement as well, where, right, right. you know, and then of course the sexual dynamic when you're in oh, yeah. the practice. And, and so uh-huh. it's, it's, I mean, I get it. It's really complex. It's really layered and it's, it's very gray, some of these areas. But then, too, it's not gray. It's black and white. Like, if, if yeah. you're the teacher, yeah. you're, you are the seat of the teacher. You are held to an ethical standard. And so when people are able to cross that ethical boundary and no longer, no longer practice what they preach, for me, that's incredibly problematic. And I don't want to have anything to do with those teachers. Well, yeah, I no, I in today's world, absolutely, I hundred percent agree with you. I, I think that's absolutely true. And it, I don't know, I guess it's it's like parenting. We've changed our parenting. Mm. So yeah, it's no longer acceptable. Yeah. You, you would not no one would I don't I hope. Well, I mean I know it does happen in the wrong places, but you know, nobody with that has any compassion or any any sense of anything would be beating a child. So why would you beat or abuse your, you know, it's not acceptable. No, today it's black and white. I agree yeah. totally. Totally yeah. black and white. And it's, that's why I get so <clears throat> surprised when I hear teachers that I know who are like, you know, some of these teachers that are currently teaching today. And for me, like, I think I love talking about the ethics because I think that's a core, a core part of this, of this practice is the yamas and the niyamas. And, 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 and as I'm in the seat of the teacher often, Mm -hmm. to me, it's just something that I personally take incredible, like really seriously. And so I get so baffled when some of these famous teachers today, 2019, 2020, who are, they fill workshops, they fill trainings and studio, I've talked to studio owners and they, they're like, oh, we're so uh-huh. excited. So-and-so is going to come. They're teaching a workshop and I'll be like, oh, oh really? Oh, that's interesting. And so you're not at all concerned about all the, the allegations against them and the abuses that they've you know purported to have done against their students. And I've had studio owners actually say, well, you know, they're still a really good teacher and, and 
so then it comes down to the money. These teachers, yes. like people are yes. turning a blind yes. eye. And I think this is what happened yes. in the 60s and 70s. And it's still happening today where now maybe we have more information and we out front say, oh, this is unacceptable. But then we still are buying tickets and buying workshop places. And, oh. and so for me, I find that really interesting and, and kind of sad, especially when I think there are really good teachers out there who are ethical. But maybe they're not famous and maybe they're not, you know, they don't have the draw to book out, you know, all these people in a workshop or a class. Yeah, that's definitely, definitely that it comes down to your ethics. You mm-hmm. know, are you, you know, are you really this yogi or are you not? And in today's world, if you're putting the money first, I'm sorry, that's wrong. Yeah. I, I, in my opinion, that's totally, totally wrong. And, and, uh, I can't imagine, I can't imagine. Yeah. So I will, I will ask you next time I want to go to some yogi to see if, if this person is, has all the ethics I think he does or whatever, but, uh, yeah, I know. Well, and it's, it's really quite shocking, you know, and of course, mm-hmm. you know, then people are like, oh, well, if you don't, if you don't personally know that that happened, then you, you know, we need to give them the benefit of the doubt. And in oh, my no, mind, no, no. I agree. Yes. No, it's in my mind. I kind of follow the ideology that like where there's smoke, there's fire. And so if there's whisperings that a teacher is inappropriate or uh, is doing something wrong, then I actually am kind of leaning towards like, okay, there might be some validity to that because a a very ethical teacher, like there's never going to be a question about their integrity. Right, right, right. Well, like I can't imagine any, anybody has, I hope nobody has ever said anything about Jessica Char because he seemed so pure. Yeah, I haven't heard anything. No. He just, I can't imagine there would be, and maybe that's why I was drawn to him. There was something about the gentleness of him or something. And and when I did attend a workshop that he did in San Francisco, and his wife was right there, and she she was as, as interesting as he was, you know, but very, you know, still in that old mode of, you know, the, the husband is up on the platform and you're just <laughs> quietly sitting down there. So <laughs> some of us got together and started asking his wife some questions during a break. And he came back and he said, oh, are, are you teaching the class now? <laughs> you know, it, was kind, it was kind of funny. But anyway, but, you know, these wives, these women, even in this very male-oriented um, practice that's not not that way anymore but it was you know very very male male oriented um they all had women and daughters Mm -hmm. were there the whole time and participated the whole time and know as much if not more as the big name you know it's kind of interesting yeah so it's really interesting yeah and so anyway it's 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 exciting but no i i and I had, after you started talking, I had read one article in Yoga Journal, and I, it kind of turned me off thinking, well, wait a minute. If you go back and you read, like, um, Autobiography of a Yogi, yeah, you know, he, he was explaining how his master had told him, he'd given him this, this um, I, I don't know, I don't know. He had given him this this order, not an order exactly, but said, you know, you need to go to the West. You need to take this to the West. Yeah. Because in in all the interesting uh, wisdom that these these old yogis had, 
they knew that it was never going to progress any further in India. It was going to be just the same old, same old. Yeah. Well, it was going to go on, but it was going to be just old men. And it right. was old men who happened to ha- be in a position to do this and were accepted. That's that's what it was. And so these guys in their wisdom, just you know, they knew that it needed to go to the West where it would be accepted more right you know they they predicted it and they were right it was accepted because we're kind of more open our culture is a little more open because it's a mix of so many different backgrounds that we don't have just one way of thinking we have a zillion way of thinking it's not always good but you know in this situation it was it was the way you made yoga available to the average householder so to speak mm-hmm. that they wanted they wanted that to happen, so so you can't say that we stole it from India. That I mean that I, I when I read that one article, I was just like, oh, yeah. come on, you know. That's, that's my opinion. Also, it's um, yeah. it's a, it's a little inaccurate historically speaking, and oh, totally, and, totally. And I mean, they, I mean, yoga came here even before that. The what was it? The Parliament mm-hmm. of World Religions. Oh yes, in 1893, right. and they came and they were right. The Indian gurus. I mean, I just wish that's. The two things I wish I could do would be to have been in some of those lectures about yoga with all oh, these like yes. Victorian Americans. Uh-huh. And then, of course, and then Ram Das. So just like you, Ram Das oh, yes. is the one teacher that yes. I, I wish I could yes. have studied with. But Yes. Um, well, yeah. your, your un- you do have an uncle that, that actually knew Ram Das way back oh. when, before he was Ram Das. <gasps> so, yeah. Uncle Kirk? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Oh my yes. God. And oh. I don't. I don't know the details because I've forgotten. But I remember when he was staying at my house once and saw a book, you know, on Ram Dass, and he said, "Oh yes, I knew him when he was Richard Alport and way back in Boston at Harvard or something." And, and uh, oh, anyway, so I'm going to have to you, ask you, him. Yes. Yes, you will get yes, the will. get the scoop. I now know. I'll have to go back and ask him too because I've forgotten what he told me. But yes. Oh, it's amazing. Well. I know. And you know, know. it's so fun. And this is kind of what prompted me to really like nail you down for this conversation was um, (laughs) my parents. So, so my mom is the youngest of six and you are the oldest of six children. And when Uh my mom, when they were moving or last year and my mom was like cleaning out a bunch of boxes and a bunch of papers and stuff, she found a bunch of your old yoga teacher training certificates. Wow. Yeah. She didn't tell you. No. How yeah. did she even have them? Well, I guess you had sent them to her, like she said, like 15 huh. years ago or something to hold on to, like in case there was a fire at your house or oh. I don't oh. know. And so she, she held on to them. She, Could be. So you, you should ask her when you talk to her, be like, Hey, Jess said you had those certificates. And so my mom sent me pictures because <laughs> I asked her, I was like, Oh, cool. Where are they? What schools were they? What are they? So my mom had sent me pictures of, of your certificates. Oh. Because I was just so curious. Oh, how funny. And yeah, there was the White Lotus one. There was the integrated yes. yoga therapy one. Um, so Phoenix Rising. I don't know if she had that one. I don't remember mm. seeing There was another one, but I can't remember what it, what it oh, was. Oh, okay. Um, oh, that's interesting. Because we almost lost our house once due to a fire in California. So uh, maybe that was when I did that. That I Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. Oh, how funny. Oh, how funny. Oh, my gosh. I didn't realize I'd done that. Anyway. How many trainings do you think you've done over the years? Oh, gosh, I have no idea. Because, I mean, as far as certification, it was basically those three, the Integrative Yoga Therapy, Phoenix Rising, and White Lotus. But I did all sorts of smaller ones. Um 
and then I had the the MA out of Sonoma State. But so, what's the title of your I'm MA? In, like the actual title of it? Um, let me think. I have to think back. It's it's um, yoga and mind body health. Wow, and oh, it, it's be... a psychology. It's a psychology degree, MA in psychology. Yeah, but it, it's a special thing, and we were just lucky. He did it. Um, Joseph LePage did this. At, he tried a couple different. He was your teacher. And, oh, he was the head of. The, he's the one who started integrative yoga therapy. Yes. Okay. He's the main. I mean, it was his program. Yeah. And he just consolidated with Elizabeth. Uh, I mean, excuse me, Eleanor Criswell at who was the head of the psychology department at Sonoma State to kind of make it so you could figure out how do you make this class into how many units because you have to have all these units of mm-hmm. different things, different categories to get a, a master's degree. And so he did it. And I was always looking uh, to go further and try to get a doctorate in it. And I I don't know, at some point I just got busy with my life. But but I, I remember talking about it with this other woman that was in his program that was a uh, who was she? She was under. I'm trying to think who she was working with. She, um, Angela Laspisa, and she was working with uh, Mitra. What is his? Uh, Mitra Deem? No, can't remember his name. Big name in yoga, and you would know it. Uh, I can't think of it right now. But um, anyway. We were both trying to figure it out, and it, we we didn't. Fig- she may have figured it out later. I don't know. I kind of lost track with her. But mm. um, God, that would be uh, my that would be my third dream. <laughs> I guess would to be, get, yes to get my well, master's. And I'm sure, oh, you could. Oh, you could do that. Um, yeah, but it's you know, there's um, Loyola Marymount. A couple years, maybe like six, seven years ago. Oh, they yeah, came yeah, out yeah. With their master program, but. I think it might have been easier when you did it, where they were kind of. It was. It might have been easier to kind of make up your program. Um, uh huh. I don't know. I mean, it's. I'm kind of like you, where I go back and forth. And when I moved to Norway, and there's the free education here, I actually looked at the universities here, and I was like, oh, is there a way I could, I could study something and get a master's in close enough yes. to yoga or Eastern religion, yeah. or Eastern philosophy, and. Um, I found kind of one program, but same thing. Life's too busy, and and it's that'll yeah. that'll happen later when I'm older. Oh, you know, after after you raise your child, you exactly will be, you will have more time, and you'll you'll get into it. University of Hawaii, I'm sure you could, or even Washington, you could find some Eastern religion thing. But to to put it more in into exactly what you want, I'm not sure. Sometimes there are smaller schools that will do let you sort of do your own program, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But uh, I, I'm sure you could do it today. I mean, I, you could figure it out. Yeah. It would, yeah. It would probably just take a lot of research to find the right yeah. school and the right advisor. Yeah. But um, I'm it's really true. Yeah. I'm really curious though. Um, what Joseph LePage was like as a teacher. Oh, he was wonderful. Mm. He, and he was not abusive. He was, um, I, I think he was a little curt with people that worked with him that I, you know, they would complain about it, but, but not abusive as, as far. I never saw anything that was abusive or even remotely sexual. He mm-hmm. was, he was kind of, when he was teaching his classes, I sort of felt like he, he just was asexual. He, he, he was totally into what he was doing. Um, there were never any inappropriate touches. Um, like I was in a class once with 
probably 100 people with in the class, I don't remember, but with Patabi Joyce. And I remember he came down <clears throat> and he put his hand on my upper thigh, but he did it in such a way, I, I mean, I, I was thinking, well, I was kind of mixed. I was thinking, oh, this master has touched me. I've had you know contact with this master. But then there was something that I was feeling that this isn't right. Mm. There was something weird, you know. And in those days, people weren't talking about how you feel, you know, follow your intuition. I mean, there was no such thing as that, at least. Right. It was the teacher. World. Yeah. You did what yeah, the teacher said. Yeah, you respect your teacher and that's it. And you, you don't think about it. But you know, and when I, I later read something by Judith Lassiter about how he had abused her and um, just inappropriate touches and blah, 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 blah. And I thought, oh, that's why I felt so strange, you mm. know, it was yeah. really weird. But OK, back to Joseph LePage. Never did I feel anything even remotely close to that ever. And I was in, you know, I worked with him for what, a couple of years and in many situations and and. No, he was just totally clean, totally mm -hmm. clean. Yeah, well, um, we use in my 340-hour advanced training, we use his book mm -hmm. that he wrote with his wife, The Yoga Teacher's Toolbox. Oh, I love that's my favorite. Book. It's so good. It's so rich. Yes. I know. Yes. I know. And the newest version's even better. Like they've updated. I have an oh. old version. It was part of my Ayurveda yoga therapy huh. training. And right. uh, and then then so I have an old old copy. And then I realized like a year or oh. two ago, they got a new one. And so some of my students have the new version and I look and I'm like, wait a oh. minute, my book doesn't have that. Um, oh, it, is yours the hard, that mm -hmm. very hard binder? binder? Yeah. It's okay, still a binder. The one I have. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. But they, I wonder cause well, his first one was not. His first one, way back when, he kept he kept updating it. And his first one, I think I still have one in San Francisco that's a, a book thing that was, you know, put together. But this the bind, that really hard binder one where he gives every single part of your what what part of your body is being um, stimulated, blah blah blah, on mm -hmm. and on and on. It, it's so amazing. So I'm oh, if he has a newer one, I'm gonna have to try to check get it out. Hold of it. Yeah, it yeah. Was, it was just a little better organized and it had a little bit more information huh. on the subtle body. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. But it was, you know, it's an expensive book. And so for me I'm kind of like, oh yeah. I don't know. You know, I, I buy so many yoga books. And right, so sometimes, right. sometimes buying a, a, a more expensive book, I'm like, oh, I'm on the fence a little bit. It's so, <laughs> but it's so great, and it's yeah, it's an awesome book. But um, well, Joseph, oh, go ahead. I was going to say that he was he was kind of an he was a he I'm sure he is he was a very interesting person because he was kind of came out of the '70s, kind of the '70s hippie-ish type almost, and he. Um, he was kind of a rebel. He like he said he he went to he went the stories he went to India and he said that you know he he couldn't believe they got upset with him because he wanted to eat his little mac and something in the morning before doing yoga you know because they had these strict rules and he was not a rule follower. He was <laughs> I think his, I love his name his name would be much bigger if he were. I will say that, although it sounds mm. like he, despite all this, it sounds like if you've been hearing about him, then he's he's still out there. But no, he was amazing. And what his work was absolutely phenomenal. It was just, I think, the way he organized it and put it together better than anybody else. 
including Iyengar. I know everybody loves Iyengar's book, and I do too, but um, books, I should say. But I, I think Joseph LePage, I think he gets the number one prize for, for organizing yoga and putting it in a, a, a way that you can kind of do something with it and understand it. Mm-hmm. I think he, he, he. I think he surpasses anybody out there. But I agree. Um, but, I agree, and especially know. with the subtle body anatomy, because it's so hard to yes. to visualize and to comprehend. And yes, and then he puts it in each yoga posture. So you're like, oh, okay, triangle pose. These are the values. These yes. are the koshas. Like everything that's happening. Yes. And then so as a t- and that's that's probably really. I mean, that makes a lot of sense then too, because you did your your yoga therapy degree with him. Uh-huh. And, and that's yoga well, therapy is, is individualizing. Absolutely. Well, the way yoga started out, it was all individual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it was all about in those days. And it was totally different. But he, you know, it was interesting, even in the time that I was with him to watch the progress of, you know, the, the first book, and then he'd kind of revise it and a few years later, come out with something else. And I mean, he was just brilliant. That's all I can say. Mm. And he has, he ha- I don't know if he still has, but he has a, a yoga center in uh, uh, South America that's really wonderful. Oh, have you been there? So, I mean, you have traveled yes. all over the world yes. going to all these amazing <laughs> yoga retreats and all this. I mean, on Anne, you are honestly, everybody listening to this podcast and my spirit animal. Like, we want to be you <laughs> going oh, no. and, and studying and traveling. And, and I know you'd been to South America for some yoga stuff. So you went to his center? That was with, that. yes, that was with Joseph. Yes. And that was early on. That was when it was new. So I, I haven't been, I, you know, I haven't been in contact with him or his group. I'd love to, you know, do something with him again, just to kind of get my head and relearn some things and learn some new things. Mm. And, Anyway, pretty exciting. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you he, ever? He was. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just wondering. Did you ever teach, or were you just mostly a student? I did. I, I did some teaching. Yes. Um, I mostly did individual because to get your certificates, you have to teach, right? Mm-hmm, right. So um, I was doing mostly individual teaching, which is what I enjoy more. Um, the only time I really did classes was I substituted for somebody up in Oregon one summer and that was fun, but I, I like the individual better because you can, you can really zero into what their needs are and that's what yoga is about. What does this person need? And, uh, you know, rather than doing, I think I admire you for doing all the teaching you're doing in the class, Mm -hmm. but I just, you know, it kind of. I guess I maybe I was a little lazy because I could never stay. I, I guess I I travel around a lot, seeing different family members and stuff, and so you know it's it's sort of I never could be in one place long enough to say okay, I'm going to be there every Tuesday at six o'clock. Period. Yeah, you know, I, I my life has just not gone in that direction, and and it's the way I've created it. That's my I take responsibility for that. So I have not taught as much as I would like to. Um, but anyway, it's, it's been, it's all been good. And I've learned so much from so many people and, oh, it's just a gift. All Mm. I can see is yoga has been a gift to me. It's huge gift. And all these teachers are just incredible. Yeah. And you learn, you learn too, from the ones that weren't so great that turned out later not to be so great. Right. Um, but I, I can understand your, 
kind of wanting to not go to classes with people you've seen, um, you know, be abusive because <clears throat> Michael Lee, who started Phoenix Rising Yoga Therapy, uh, got involved with a woman, um, not against her will, but, you know, at a yoga conference and it broke up her marriage and he, it's, I shouldn't even be talking about it, but I, I, the only, my point is it really turned me off mm. on him because I, I really kind of, I looked up to him with such respect and, and what he was teaching was so fantastic. His whole program was wonderful. I mean, just, you know, life-changing. So when this all came out, it was such a scandal, and I, I didn't want anything to do with him. Yeah. Or his, or, or his, I didn't want to put myself out as a teacher of his work anymore. And, and that's, that's something against, you know, against myself. I should, I should be, I, I think I should be whatever beyond that, but I'm not. And that's just the reality. I, I just, it really turned me off. And I never heard anything about, <clears throat> say, Gonga White or Tracy, well, Tracy's a female, but hopefully uh, nothing has come out about them, about him, because mm. he was, I mean, I never saw anything there. I mean, it was just all, you know, very, very, very uh, clean, very clean. That's, yeah, that's, which is what we would hope it to be. And it's, it's unfortunate. And especially when so many people, I think, come to yoga as a sanctuary and as a safe haven for them to, yes. to do the personal growth work and the inquiry. And I know I'm, I feel like I'm pretty good at assessing a teacher's motivation or the way they present themselves. Mm -hmm. And the two teachers that I have, I've taken workshops with where I did not feel comfortable. Um, and they're both male Mm -hmm. both and they're big names and um mm -hmm. both mm -hmm. both of them have now had a lot of i mean uh, john friend and mark Whitwell. Oh, yeah. you know what but when i was in their workshops because mm -hmm. john friend before anusara exploded he used to come to park city all the time there was a studio that hosted a ton of his trainings so he ah. would be there a lot and i just i always got such a weird personally i got kind of a weird ah, he, he never touched me inappropriately but i just was like right something feels a little off with this guy. And, and so then in uh -huh. 2012, you know, when everything came uh -huh. out about him, I was like, Oh, right. Well, I'm not surprised at all, <laughs> which oh, is unfortunate. <laughs> oh, you're amazing that you picked up on that. Yeah. I, I don't not, know. I think I'm just not, wow. skeptical. <laughs> that could be it too. I could just be overly skeptical because I, I, I just, I'm, I'm so concerned about vulnerability. Uh-huh. Right. And so for me, I don't know. It's just, it was just a personal thing where I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't know about this, but wow, who knows? I wasn't so funny because I was not trained by him at all, but I heard him present at a yoga journal conference and I was so impressed with his talks, his speeches mm. that I, that was where I was going to go, Anasara. And I knew so many people that I really respected that were involved with Anasara, like Desiree and some other people. And, um, Somehow, just it just never got around to doing it, and uh, then everything came out, and of course, that's over. I wouldn't consider it, but you know, yeah, it's, it's so interesting. But maybe when you were going to his lectures, it was when maybe he was a little bit more level-headed. You know, I was I was going to his workshops and classes, two thousand nine, ten, eleven, oh, and then yeah. so I was there kind of at the end. So when 
when perhaps he was getting, yeah, getting maybe a little bit more reckless with his energy and the way he taught or I don't, Uh, I don't know. And it's, you know, you go back and forth. We were like, okay, well, how much should you say, especially on a public platform? And then I'm like, wait a minute, this is all public knowledge. It's not gossip. It's not anything like that. And in fact, I think as teachers, we have an obligation to, if we have information, you know, to be a Mm -hmm. little bit more open about it. Because I've had so many students be like shocked by a lot of the controversy. Well, I'm not going to say controversies. A lot of the um, Mm -hmm. improprieties and abuses in the yoga community. And I'm like, and it's because people keep their mouth shut and they try and sweep it under the rug. And then more people get hurt and more people get victimized. And it's just, it's really unfortunate. But Right. You know, all, all my takeaway from it is, okay, we personally can do better. And we personally just have to be the example that we want to see. And so that's the way I try and handle it is just like, okay, how can I be better? How can I keep my side of the street clean and, and make sure that people see me as a teacher of integrity? And then, then I don't have to worry about it. Exactly. Well, because you're being a model for what yoga is. Mm, yeah. You know, that's that. It, it's not like you're teaching car mechanics or something. Yeah. You know, you're, you're dealing with people's bodies and their psychics and their, their inner feelings and who they are. And they go to yoga to find out who they are and how to handle life and all of this. And yeah. Yeah. So it has to be clean. It has to be. So oh. as we kind of wrap up our conversation, I have two final questions for you. Um, okay. The first question is, what are your favorite, your personal favorite practices of yoga? So in just anything, if it's the meditation, if it's the asana, if it's chanting, if it's anything else. And then, um, yeah, well, let's start there. Okay, well... <clears throat> For me, what calms me down, I I am not one that, I don't always sit down and meditate easily. So for me, it's the yoga asanas that put me into a state where I can, then I'm calm enough that I can go into my meditation. And my favorite, and chanting. Chanting calms me down too. And that's, I found even recently, that's what I do a lot of is a lot of chanting. Mm. What's your favorite chant? Just internal. Um, Well, one is just um, uh, Ham, Yam, Ram, Vam, Lam. Mm -hmm. It starts out with Om. Om is probably the first part, but I just usually start with Ham and go Ham, Yam, Ram, Ram, Vam, Lam. And just do that over and over and over. And I visualize what part of the body that is being um, activated, so to speak, as you go down through the, you know, the throat to the throat chakra and the chest, the heart chakra and down. Um, I guess I do that because I went to a seminar once where they had drums and they were doing mm. that. And it was so, it was the first time I'd heard that chant. And and it just, I, I knew the, the names because of, just my studies. Anyway, it just, it was so magical and so powerful that I use that a lot. And then I also have another one um, that I can't really recite, just a few words that was given to me by uh, this wonderful Indian saint 
she doesn't call herself a yogi, but she's she's the hugging saint. And oh yeah, is that Ama? Yeah, Ama. Yes, and she she would give people personal, you know, um, sayings, shall we say, and mantras, a personal mantra. And so I'll use that a lot too because mm. I think of her and I think the good that she's done in the planet and building hospitals and medical schools and giving homes for children, you know, for families and just on and on and on and on. I think she is just one of the most amazing people on the planet. And I haven't seen her for years, but, um, and I guess the other thing you were asking, how do, besides the chants, what calms me down and what are my very favorite would be some of the asanas like inversions for me Mm. do everything. Simple thing like, Legs up the wall has gotten me through so many situations where I'd be so exhausted. I remember after, you know, a long day with all my kids and all my activities that I used to be in and all this stuff. And and then my husband would have my husband would have some meeting we had to go to. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I can't even think much. Less. How am I going to listen to a lecture on some medical new medical thing and even concentrate on it? So I would do this very simple thing. I just put a pillow under my uh, rear end and do legs up the wall and you know 15 10 15 minutes later I'd have tons of energy and I'd be relaxed I mean it both relaxes calms me down at the same time energizes me and mm. so for me that was magic and I love to do I would do headstands often if I for the same same reasons to either be energized or to be calmed down and shoulder stand and those are those are my very, very favorite. I, I used to do a lot of backbends, too, because I love backbends. But I can no longer do the wheel because of an injury to my arm, But mm-hmm. um, unfortunately. But anyway, those, those are what I use to calm down, kind of my little secret things to calm me down, get me into my breath. You know, then I can get into, you know, breathing and, and just concentrating on my breathing and uh, – Anyway, those, those are my very favorites. Yay. Oh, yeah. Those are all amazing ones. I love it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the last thing I want to ask you, you know, you've been practicing yoga for 46, 47 years or something. Um, how mm-hmm. have you seen your practice evolve over the decades? Um, goodness. Um, well, you definitely get more into the spiritual side of it later as you've been doing it for a longer time or I did anyway um I think originally I don't know although I was drawn to the spiritual originally that was part of it but um I don't know I just I think the discipline of yoga Mm -hmm. the discipline of of even the discipline of putting your you know putting your muscles in a certain position and uh, strengthening them and, and breathing the breathing, I guess the breathing is what has been the the thing that's changed the most because I realized through the years, more and more, I realized the importance of breathing, how you breathe. You can breathe to calm yourself down. You can breathe to get in a more spiritual mind. You can breathe through all, all sorts of life's crises. Yeah. You know, and and just the ability to sit down and breathe and meditate. Yeah. I think that more than the physical. The physical was the original part that kind of 
was my focus, I think. And yeah, that's changed. Mm. Definitely, definitely. But uh, yeah, it's so anyway, I still I still love it all. And I still I love it when when I get inspired by a new teacher or a new new something. And I don't know if I should tell you one one other thing that, you know, back to this and then we'll end it. But um, when I was doing the African dance yoga, mm-hmm. she called it, it was called yoga, but it was, she was, the woman who did it, it was a black woman. And she was so, one of the most amazing people I've ever met. And I don't even, I can't think of her name right now, but um, I was noticing in this whole group of, I don't know, 70 people and all excited doing her dance. And she, she and her husband is the only African-Americans there. And I, mm. It really touched my heart very deeply. It really touched me, you know, in my belly, um, how wrong this was, and how how we need to how what we need to do now. Now that yoga is accepted, with women can do it, and all sorts of people accept it and can do it and get into it. But we have not hit certain communities. Yes, and it's it's got to go there. And and I know I had a, a conversation with her because I was so. I was so taken with this thought and this feeling, and I was so emotional. And you, you know, you get that when you're in, you, you get inside yourself when you're in these yoga conferences and things. And so, I had a nice conversation with her, and she just her take on it was, "Yes, we we still have a lot of work to do," hmm. and that's the way I look at it. And so, I guess even though I got annoyed when I read that one article that I did read by the Indian woman. Um, I'm thinking, no, that's not the whole picture. The whole picture is yoga now belongs to the world. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not an Indian thing anymore in a cave. And the Indians themselves were the ones that chose to give it to the world as a gift. That's what these original wonderful people, men, did, mostly men. And now it's the world's, and we need to keep going, and we still have a lot of work to do. Anyway. Mm, I think that's such a beautiful kind of wrap up because we've, we've covered a lot of interesting topics, but you're right. Mm-hmm. When we consider now more of the, the populations of people of color, more marginalized, I mean, in the West, mm-hmm. this is, this is predominantly a practice of privilege, which is so wrong and it's not, yes, not what it's designed for. And it's a spiritual practice. And so it should be, you know, the yoga sutras even talk about that, that these practices are 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 open to anybody regardless of race. Uh, I don't think it says race, but regardless of no, no, of of your circumstance. Yes, that everybody, anybody can be practicing these, and and yes. that's that is another big topic I think in our in our yoga community right now. It's like okay, well, how do we make this more accessible so that it's not twenty five dollars for a single drop in class, and you need to yes. have your Lululemon yes. pants, and you need to go on, you know expensive retreats and teacher trainings. And, and so there's definitely a disconnect and a huge room for improvement. And so I just thank you for bringing that up. I think that's, that's a very astute observation too. You know, you've kind of like had this wave of yoga being, or what you've seen happen in the yoga community the last, you know, while where it was now just open to, it was exciting that it was open to Westerners and exciting that it was open to women. And then now it's like, okay, it time, time's up. <laughs> yes. Time to bring yes. it to everybody. And, and there's a lot of people, I think, trying to do that, which is encouraging. Yes. 
well, people like you, and, you I'm know, trying the mean, younger people. Yeah, for sure. But there's also, you know, then that's a whole nother conversation, you know, about yes, yes. making money in the yes. yoga community. And yes. I, I can, I can say one thing I'm really proud of, and this is where I'd like to go further and then we'll, we'll wrap up is, um, you know, I've, I've just finally been able to start, I think like a year, year and a half ago, um, start offering some scholarships to some of my teacher training programs. And so they're open. Ooh. Yeah. And I'd love to, I'd love to be able to offer more scholarships. Um, but they're open for people who are, have experienced some trauma or some extreme hardship in their life. And then of course, um, I give a lot of preference to, to people of color, other ethnicities, and um, first responders and school teachers. Oh, so people well, that's fantastic. Yeah, who might not have the funds to come to a teacher training, but mm-hmm. really want to. And so, so that's something I'm excited about. So doing my little teeny tiny small part <laughs> to help a little <laughs> bit. Um, well, I think that's that's wonderful. That's very powerful, Jess. Yeah. It's, uh, you know. I love that. That's it's. Are you going to sit in a dark room or are you going to light a candle because you can? Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. It's that, that old fashioned thing. Yeah. Oh, I'm very. Pr- yeah. I'm so proud of you. Oh my Thank gosh. Thank you. Thank I'm you. So proud of you. It's yeah. it, it's really exciting to me because for some reason, as I told you this before, when you were in college and young, maybe before that, I don't know. For whatever reason, I always had this very strong feeling that I wanted you to be into yoga. And I never <laughs> said it to anybody. Yeah. And I never had that feeling about any anybody else in the family, particularly. And yeah, yeah, but I had this very, very strong feeling. Oh, if I could only get her into it, but I couldn't think of a way to you know, yeah. influence you, you know, at that time. And it's just so ironic that you, you, uh, yeah. you did what I was pushing to do in my brain what I wanted you to do yeah well they're so funny no no accidents and no surprises you could you could you could pick up that I had that thread within me I just hadn't realized it yet yep yep yeah I just knew you'd love it and it would be oh so powerful but even more than I even envisioned you're just you've just done amazing things it's just fantastic I'm so proud of you I know life's crazy it is so crazy (laughs) where it takes us and we stay open to possibility and Exactly. Oh, I want to thank you so much for taking time, especially on your vacation, to chat with me. And um, it's just, it's so special to be able to share this. And I wish we could keep talking. So next time when I'm in California in October with the baby. um, That'll be exciting. And then we can be exciting. We can do some yoga. I'm excited to start chanting with the baby. Well, you can right now. Yeah, no, I know. You know, although it's weird because it's, it's, I'm now I'm, I'm just starting to chant again, but, um, through my first trimester, actually, it made me incredibly sick when I would chant. Yeah. And so, yeah, I would, I would like literally have a physical reaction of wanting wanting to vomit. So, yeah. Wow. Who knows? Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you're in your middle tri- trimester now because that's that's the best part. Yeah, that's <laughs> I know. I'm like, ah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, well, the best the best is yet to come. So yoga you, of life. You, yeah. Um, well, go hit the slope. Well, thank you. Have an awesome thank day. You, and and thank uh, you. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. okay. I'll okay. see one for you today. Yay. Okay. Please do. Okay. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you so much, Jess. Bye bye.